What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 210. And today we're talking to Thomas J. Ord about his newest book, Pluriform Love. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about the love of God, uh, the love of people, the love that we have for each other, how we love each other, how that intersects with how God loves us, uh, all sorts of good things coming up in this conversation. I'll put Thomas's links in the show notes. You know him. He's been he's like a frequent flyer here at the podcast. I joke with him in the in the episode that this is like his hundredth visit to the show. Uh, we've talked about God can't with him. Uh, this is book God can't. Uh, God can't Q and A is like a second like follow up book. Uh, he has a book out about the Bible. We talked about that. He came on uh, right at the height of the pandemic and talked about, um, you know, like people saying that, you know, God caused the pandemic or allowed it. So he's been on a bunch of times. He's a frequent flyer. He is uh, part of the What If Project family. And so uh, we will further our conversation today uh, by talking about Pluriform Love. I'll put all his links in the show notes, uh, also links to my book as well. So Thomas's book in there, my book, uh, Rethinking Everything, available on Amazon story of my spiritual journey from black and white thinking to a great wide world of color. I'll put it in the show notes. I have this weird thing going on in my house right now, which is why I sound kind of distracted because I am, because my smoke alarm just started beeping somewhere in the house, like, I don't know, five minutes ago, and I thought I found it, and I changed the battery, and it's beeping again, so it must be a different one. It ever happened to you, like you have multiple ones in your house, obviously, like carbon monoxide, smoke detector, and one of them is beeping, and it's like the mystery to find out which one it is. And you would think that they would just blink and tell you which one it is, but it doesn't. Mine don't, anyway. They, they want you to play the guessing game, I guess. So I will have to go and continue continue that. But I'll put the links, like I said, to Thomas's stuff. Uh, my book as well in the show notes. Also, Patreon, buy me a coffee if you want to support the show. Uh, if this thing has helped you, inspired you, encouraged you, made you think, made you a better human. Uh, that's where you can go to support the show. So I'll put all the links in the show notes. That said, I got to go find the beeping smoke detector. Episode number 210 with the one and the only Thomas Ord. Enjoy. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed up fancy. Wish I on a pot on go with the rainbow by Tom Clancy. Wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go ahead and run, I'm a check. Wish I had no other same most beat, I'm a chest. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish you had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name our own picture. We bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland. So much we're high on demand. Tiptoe around throwing high lows. Feel like James Brown. Love we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lot. Champion. Go ahead, call the ambulance. So we said our own ambience. Dub TTG train to go. Let's talk, no rambling. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Today we're sitting down with Thomas J. Ord to talk about his latest book, Chloroform Love, uh, subtitled An Open and Relational Theology of Well-Being. And so Tom, welcome back to the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Oh, I enjoy our conversations, Glenn. Thank you. So this is like your, I don't know, your hundredth visit to the show. <laughs> I so I would tell people that if you want to know more about Tom, uh, go back to the earlier episodes. I was looking today, I actually have to go back in the vault all the way back to episode uh, 24, which is 186 episodes ago, Tom. That was our really? first, that was our first chat. 
Congrats um, to you for having that many episodes. Thank you. I didn't think it was going to go longer than maybe your episode because people weren't very happy <laughs> when we talked about God can't. <laughs> I thought that might be the, the end of the show. <laughs> but we keep going. We keep going. But I'll go back and check out that episode. Uh, you gave us a really brief kind of introduction to yourself and your life. But one thing I want to ask you, Tom, before we kind of get into the book is, and you may even want to plug this a little bit, but maybe tell us about the doctoral program um, at Northwind uh, that you're directing. What is this program about? Who's it for? Because I've had a lot of people reach out to me because you've been on the show before. I pointed them to the website, but maybe we, we could hear it right from the, the horse's mouth, yeah, <laughs> as they it. say. Yeah. yeah. The doctoral program is uh, follows an Oxford method, which means that I work individually, one-on-one with uh, students. Okay. Uh, we put together reading lists of books related to open and relational thought. And then books uh, pertaining to the particular subjects that each student wants to pursue. So uh, maybe someone wants to do something on, I don't know, missiology or uh, sexuality issues or Alfred North Whitehead or whatever. Mm. Um, we, we look at open and relational thought and then we dive deep into the particular subject a person's interested in. Okay. And uh, it's fully online. It's uh, a matter of people. It's really flexible in terms of starting and stopping. And what's really great is it's about $20,000, which is relatively inexpensive for doctoral programs. Yeah, very much so. Mine was not. <laughs> I was a little bit more than that. <laughs> now, is there, is there prerequisites for this? Like if somebody's listening, like what do they have to do beforehand? Yeah. So you have to have a master's degree. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in theology, however. Okay. So I have uh, some people with master's degree in psychology in the program right now, uh, physics. Um, so a variety of options. And about probably, I've got 20 some students at the moment. Okay. About half are people with some kind of ministry oriented employment, but the other half are school teachers, photographers, scientists physicians okay so it's a pretty eclectic group in terms of backgrounds and you don't have to be you know in full-time ministry to to be pursuing this degree that's really good i mean if i didn't already have my my demon um demon for listeners not demon like demon <laughs> but <laughs> demon at a doctor doctor of ministry uh stand for but i would definitely consider that because you know it's funny like i look at my i look at my degree then I look at the doctoral programs that other people are in and, and like your doctoral program and like all these different topics that I, I could have studied yeah. had I gone for like my PhD or, or something instead. And I think, man, like I, as, as good as my experience was, as much as I needed it in that time of my life, like I wish I would have gone like to one of, one of these, like something like yours to, op- yep. to study, you know, this type of theology, study some kind of topic I'm really passionate about, like early Christianity is something I'm really into right now. But like at the same time, like I realized that had I not gone to the doctor program I went to and had I not had the experiences I had uh, in and around that place, and I didn't write my dissertation on social media and technology, how the church can use these things, you know, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I never would have, I don't think I ever would have been ready to talk to somebody like yourself or like a Bart Ehrman or a Diana Butler Bass, anybody who's been on the show if I hadn't experienced what I experienced um, in that place and kind of 
in this journey that I'm on. So does that, that make any sense? <laughs> makes a ton of sense. Yeah. 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 It's funny I how like to say that God can squeeze something good out of all kinds of scenarios, even ones you might have some regrets about. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Like I look back when I started that program and I'm like, if you would have told me that all these years later, fast forward to 2022, this is what you're going to be doing. I'd be like, no, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. I was thinking about doing like all church work and maybe going back into a pastor role and like all this stuff. And yeah. here I am. I haven't been to church in I don't know how many years. So <laughs> yeah. was it a, was it a program that required in residency as well? Uh, no. So it was, um, it was all, it was in person and it was you, That's some people I mean. were in ministry, some yeah. people weren't in ministry. Um, but they took a chance on me because for me, like they, they really asked me like, did I want to get back involved in the church? And I was planning on it, but they, their, their intention is that you're going to take what you use and use it in the church. And yeah, so you're going to yeah, do something yeah. in the actual physical church, which I'm not. So there's, <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> you're, you're doing it in the church, broadly speaking. <laughs> exactly. That's my argument right there. Yep. Well, <laughs> what makes my program interesting and probably attractive to a lot mm -hmm. of people, <clears throat> excuse me is that uh, it's fully online. So there's no in-person requirements. Yeah. It's people pursuing whatever topics they really care about. Mm -hmm. you know, some programs you have to go in and take courses you don't give a rip about and you feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah. So we don't have to do that. And then it's really flexible in terms of when you take the courses. Um, and that's, that's of an advantage. Anyway, yeah. promo for that <laughs> and, the, and the program just real is a, the program he said is, is you and the student right so it's that's right yeah yeah that's so that's right. nice because i think i had you know bo sanders right i do yeah yeah so bo was actually an adjunct professor um in this program i was in and i had him very late in the game uh he was teaching yeah. an evangel uh in a class on what was it <sighs> i forget the name of the class but basically it was taking the the Bible and bringing it to like a modern context type thing. Cool. And so he had me hooked like right away. And then he yeah. was like speaking to all the questions I was quietly wrestling with inside because I was afraid. And I went to him after class one day and I'm like, I don't know how they let you in here, but I, and I don't know where you came from, <laughs> but I need your help. And so we ended up doing a one-on-one -on -one together uh, for nice. some credits. And so we got to work really closely, like on particular topics work through particular books together. And those were the most memorable experiences mm. in that program, because I really got to speak to somebody who cared about me and my journey and the things that I cared about. And that's really helped, I think, free me from a lot of the stuff I was carrying. So yeah, to our awesome. listeners, consider it. I think it would be <laughs> well you. worth well <laughs> worth it. Absolutely. All right. So your book, uh, let's start with the cover, uh, the title and subtitle. So first the title, Pluriform Love, like what does this mean? And why, why write a book about it? Well, you have probably heard, like I have heard many people say, well, there's Christian love and then there's other kinds of love or <laughs> there's God's love. And then there's our love as if yeah. those are two different sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Or they've said, you know, God's love is agape or God's love is loving us despite we're, the fact that we're sinners. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to write this book to say, not only does love for God and or the love that God expresses and the love that we express, not only is it the same in terms of has the same definition, mm -hmm. but we express a variety of love. That's the pluriform. Mm -hmm. And God expresses a variety of loves, not just, you know, loving us despite the things we do that are bad, but mm -hmm. loving us in our 
value, worthwhileness, our, our beauty, our excellence, loving us as a friend, loving us in these various ways. Mm. So it's kind of like God's love and our love is one and the same. It's not necessarily something that's so radically different. Like we're so inferior to God's love because God's love is so superior to ours. Right, right. I mean, mm. so many people will say things like, you know, we ought to love our enemies. We ought to forgive. We ought to help those in need. We ought to have compassion for mm-hmm. those who suffer. But then we look at the way that God is described by major theologians like Thomas Aquinas, Martin Luther, Augustine, John Calvin, and what these theologians tell us that God's love is like from those perspectives is a God who doesn't have any feelings, Mm. is not emotional, doesn't have any uh, relationships with us. It's a God who could rescue us from harm, could prevent tragedies but sometimes just allows them. Um, And so by the time you end up sort of listening to what this God is like from that perspective, it doesn't sound like love at all. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound like love as we understand it. And so one of the arguments of the book is that our definition of what love is ought to apply both to our love and to God's love. Yeah. And that's funny because that's something I always wrestled with in school. Like I remember being in seminary, like in a theology class, like systematic theology one and two and sitting there hearing the professor talk about, you know, how God is love, because it says that in the Bible, literally verbatim says God is love. But then, you know, talking about all these other things in the Bible, like about hell and about like, again, like the problem of evil, like, okay, well, if God is so loving, but you're also telling me that God is like all powerful. And like, why, why do all these other things exist? Like the answer is always because, well, it says in this verse and this verse, like, because God was it God have to operate according to this rule book. Like, I mean, is this like, is God like stuck within the confines of this book? Because it just doesn't, doesn't seem loving to me. Like if my daughter came to me and, you know, I wouldn't tell her, well, I can only love you according to A, B and C in this book. Like I can't operate yeah. outside of these bounds. Like it just doesn't work that way. Like it just doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you bring yeah. up some really good points. And one of my arguments is that from, I'll just call it the traditional perspective, um, while they will say God is loving, what they're really doing is prioritizing other attributes before love. So they'll say, well, yeah, God is loving, but God is also sovereign. Yes. And by that, oh. they mean. <laughs> <laughs> I got they... goosebumps. I got to twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that supposedly sovereign god is yeah. either causing or allowing putin to invade ukraine yeah causing or allowing gunmen to walk in and kill people yeah. and that just doesn't sound loving or they'll say um well god is loving but god is holy love which by the time you end up getting that sort of played out it sounds like this god doesn't want to mess around with you know dirty icky people like us because this yeah. guy is pristine and you know beyond any uh, reason to associate with filth like us and it just makes no sense to me yeah uh, yeah and you get that 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 response of god is sovereign it's like it's god is love but like there's always like a but in there, <laughs> yes right and like I, even even like you know he said well okay well god is sovereign and then you 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 know, well, that doesn't really make any sense to me. Well, you just have to have enough faith. Like you don't have enough faith that this is the way on the other side of heaven. When we get to heaven, we'll all understand all the different things. But for now, you have to have faith. And like, I feel like that's such, 
that was such a satisfactory answer for me growing up because I was always like the good Christian who just, you know, sure. I was going to be the good evangelical boy, not ask any questions, you no, know, do all the right things. And so that was the answer I was given. That was always the answer I gave to other people too. Like people would ask me like, why does such terrible things happen? Even like as a pastor, I remember one, uh, we had a congregant whose son committed suicide, you know, and it was such mm. a horrible, horrible thing to happen. And there were so many people asking why, and the answer I was always given was, well, you know, we don't, we don't know why, but we trust that God is sovereign and God is good. And, you know, for some reason this happened and, you know, on the other side of heaven, we'll know. And like, I could tell, like, you know, even like saying that, like in, in, when you have like a real life circumstance where people are looking to you for help and like mm. giving that answer was just like, so ugh, like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I remember that was one of the things in my journey that really triggered me to think like, I have to rethink some of the yeah. stuff that I believe because it doesn't doesn't seem like it plays out very well in the real world. Yeah, it's funny how that mystery card comes out really quickly when it comes like scenarios you just presented yeah. or children being tortured or rape or whatever. Yeah. And you know, they'll say, Well, God's ways are not our ways. Who are we as finite beings to understand an infinite God? Yep. But then those same people, they're rock solid sure about their theory of atonement. Right. or their particular exegesis of a, pa a passage in scripture, as if those things that I think are probably secondary <laughs> to the questions of love, power, and evil, yeah. those they're really confident on. Somehow God has revealed those things crystal clear, but why God doesn't stop someone from committing suicide or a rape or whatever. Oh, that's just a big mystery. Yeah. Um, I think we've got our priorities switched around there and we ought to start with the biggest most troubling questions of our lives and try to understand God's love in light of those. Yeah, I think that's so good. So the subtitle then, uh, Open Relational Theology of Well-Being. Uh, maybe speak to people who um, are listening and they're maybe new to that term, uh, newer to your teachings. This is kind of like your jam, Open Relational Theology. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe what does that refer to? And then how does it tie into one's well-being? Yeah. So relational, the word relational, um, mm -hmm means that God is not just giving, but also receiving. Mm. God is affected by what we in creation does. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, most churches I go to, everyone really believes that because they read the Bible. <laughs> but uh, most major theologians in history, again, Aquinas, Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, they all said God was unaffected, not yeah. influenced at all by us. So mm. relational theology. Terms, uh, relational God. Hmm. The word open stands for the idea that the future is open and not yet determined. Hmm. God hasn't predestined and God doesn't even foreknow with certainty everything that's going to happen. Hmm. So it's a way of talking about God moving through time like we move through time. Hmm. And that also, I think, is very common way of thinking about God in scripture. And in fact, most people kind of assume that view of God when they talk about God, like forgiving our sins, as if we did something in one moment and then the next moment God saw that and then forgave us for us. Well, that, mm. that's a time sequence in God mm. or responding to suffering or whatever. Mm. But again, most theologians have said that God is timeless. God stands outside of time and sees all of history in one, in one glance. Mm. I so think that yeah i think that openness scares people 
sometimes because I think we're so used to, I know for myself, like so used to growing up in this world where everything is, is closed in the sense where Mm -hmm. like God has the master blueprint Mm -hmm. and there might be some things that happen here and there, their blueprint gets shifted and changed, but at the end of the day, like it's all figured out, it's all ironed out. And if you just trust, regardless of what bad thing happens, whatever, you know, it's all written out anyway. So you just have, yep. just believe it and it's going to be okay. But then to come across someone like yourself, you know, speaking about this, well, it's, it's not closed, it's all open. And God is relating to us as we relate to God and, you know, things are happening as they happen. I think that feels very scary to a lot yep. of people because it's not at all what we've been taught. Yep. Very much like Nicodemus. I feel like it's sometimes like Nicodemus coming and like, well, this is what I've always been taught. And this is yeah. what makes sense to me. Now you're teaching me this and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, great illustration. Yeah, yeah. I think most people probably don't start to question what they've been taught or yeah. they don't start to feel uneasy rather than secure in what they've taught until something comes along. That's a crisis. Yeah. It might be uh, intent, you know, a suffering of some sort of time. Um, type it might be their big questions you know they they thought they had something figured out but intellectually now they've got real problems uh, conceptually it could be a variety of things and then people say oh well maybe what i learned in sunday school either directly or indirectly well maybe i need to rethink that yeah and um yeah and then open relational theology is often a place people look for possible answers yeah, I think for me, I mean, you're the one that helped me again all those episodes ago because my my wife and I we had a miscarriage before Jordan was born, and that's really what provoked like a lot of my my questions was just like how in the world could could God allow this to happen, you know? And like yep. you just sit there in the hospital room hearing this news, and you're just like, I don't understand, you know? All my life I was taught this specific thing about God, and all of a sudden none of it seems true. <laughs> like you know, you just don't know right. what to do with it, and so. You know, even like when I, when I think about that circumstance in light of open relational theology, I still have questions. It doesn't all make sense to me, but I feel like that's a much softer place for me to land. And I think a lot of people would share that same sentiment. It's a much softer place to land than in that other theology that doesn't seem to fit those types of scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you and I talked about God can't, however many years ago that was, um, you know, you and and others were asking additional questions well if god can't prevent suffering then what does it mean for this that yep, the other yep, yep. prayer miracles eschatology so i actually wrote a follow-up book called questions and answers for god can't yep. i don't think that was published when you and i talked no but you and i did another episode about oh, that oh, later on okay. yeah yeah oh, okay your memory's better than mine Sorry, <laughs> oh you're on so many different ones i just have one to worry about <laughs> But yeah, that, no, your point that that book goes into a lot of the deeper questions. I think it's a lot more personal too, because there's a lot more like yeah. real life scenarios in there about how this particular idea plays out. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes for people too. But um, yeah, absolutely. So love, talk to us about the topic of love then, because I'd like you for us to maybe define that for us, because I think, you know, you mentioned it before that depending on who you're talking to, you kind of get a different definition of love. So especially in the church, I feel like it's whatever preacher you're talking to, whatever church you're at, whatever theology book you're reading, everybody seems to define love in a very different way. So maybe give us the the Tom Ord 
definition of, <laughs> of love. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I, I, before I give you my definition, I should say that it's not just people in a local church who have different understandings of love. It's not yeah. just even our cultures or various cultures who have different notions of love, but the leading thinkers of yesteryear, philosophers, theologians, biblical scholars, they had various views of love too. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's pretty deep, the confusion. Yeah. Um, I define love as acting intentionally in relational response to God and others to promote overall well-being. Hmm. So the aim of love is well-being in a variety of different ways. Hmm. It takes action on our part, intentional actions, not just accidents. And it's fundamentally relational, not only relational with God in the sense that God inspires or empowers us to love, mm. but we're in relation with other humans, other creatures, the planet, in relation to ourselves. Mm. And um, this, the idea is you want to promote what's good, what's blessedness, abundant life, mm. shalom, um, what I call overall well-being. Mm. Now, in the book, you, you make this... Uh, interesting point. And you can, I, I'm, I might relay this incorrectly. So if I do okay. <laughs> uh, correct me, but yeah. I, you say something along the lines of God's love is, is uniform, right? But it's expressions or it's expressed in ways that are pluriform or, or something like that. Yes. So maybe take us into that a little bit because like how, how, what does it mean that God's love is uniform? Meaning like, it, I would think that means like it's singular, but it's, it's, pluriform in the sense that it's pluralistic in the way yeah. that it's expressed like maybe give us some maybe like an example of what that means yeah what i say is the definition of god's love is uniform mm. and it's the same for the definition of creaturely love but the expressions are pluriform and in this book i give tons of different ways yeah. in which humans and god love but i focus on three major ones mm-hmm. i say that god and us sometimes love in the sense of acting for well-being hmm. in spite of what other people do that are is harmful or in spite of what other people do that hurt us in some way or the planet mm-hmm. so um you know in terms of god in christian theology this is oftentimes thought of as sin so god loves us in spite of the fact that sometimes we we purposely do things to seek our own pleasure at the detriment of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we sometimes love others uh, this, with this in spite of kind of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, um, I don't know, maybe someone flips me off at the intersection because I went before they did. And, you know, I have, I have this urge to flip them off and return. And I decide, okay, I'm just going to be nice to them. Or sometimes mm-hmm. it's much more dramatic than that. Uh, someone, um, does me harm and I have to decide not to get revenge. Mm. That's a way of loving in spite of the harm someone's done to me. Mm. But God also loves us. Uh, I think in the sense of appreciating our value, our beauty, our worthwhileness, um, too much of Christian theology has focused on what we do wrong, our mm. sinfulness and not focused on the goodness the inherent or intrinsic goodness of creation itself and us as individuals. Hmm. Not only are we made in God's image, but I think we have value that God sees and appreciates and delights in us, we might say. Hmm. 
And then uh, the third kind of major form, oh, by the way, I call that second one because of love. God mm. loves us because of something valuable in us. And the third uh, one that I emphasize, I call alongside of love. This mm. is God uh, calling us to cooperate, uh, cooperate or collaborate that we're God's friends or fellow workers. Mm. And um, in open relational theology, that's a huge issue we have a genuine role to play in our lives and the unfolding of history. So then are we saying, and I'm trying to translate this in my brain to a way that kind of makes sense to me. Are we saying then that God's love is uniform in the sense that it's always focused on the well-being, Mm -hmm. but it's pluriform in the sense that depending on the, the circumstances that we're in, that love will be that well-being that, a desire for our well-being will be expressed in different ways. Exactly it. Yep. Okay. Okay. I should have had you write the blurb. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so then talk to the person who's listening then who's thinking, okay, like this makes sense. So God's love is uniform, pluriform, but so what, right? Like what is, uh, what's the, what's the big deal? Like why, why is this so important? Like we live in a world where we just saw another shooting in Texas and parents are grieving the nation is grieving. There's now a war going on really between, you know, again, about guns or no guns, all these different things. Yep. Um, why, where does this topic fit into these big world scenarios that we're all, all dealing with? Yeah, it fits in so many different ways. It's hard for me to narrow it down, but yeah. let me just pick a couple of them. Sure. Um, if God cares for well-being, overall well-being, then we don't have to say God wants or allows uh, shootings of various forms. Mm -hmm. We don't have to say God wants or allows miscarriages to use the example Mm -hmm. you gave. Um, Too many times Christians and folks of other religious traditions as well have tried to explain the difficult, tragic, horrific issues of life by saying, well, it must be a part of God's plan or God is punishing someone mm-hmm. or God has abandoned you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're on your own here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think love is in the business of abandoning. Mm-hmm. I don't think love is in the business of killing people to teach them a lesson, to punish them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these deep intuitions that I think most of us have about what love is, that it does want what's good for others and for the whole, those intuitions match what God's love is like. Mm. And that's huge, I think. If you want to think that the world is a place in which there's a God who works in ways for what's good and that we can cooperate with that God. Mm. Um, it also means, because I think God is inherently uncontrolling, that um, the future depends in part upon what we do to cooperate with this God. Yeah. What, how we decide to respond to school shootings or Putin mm-hmm. or abortion issues or whatever, mm-hmm. um, how we decide to respond actually makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You and I really count. Our decisions matter in the long run. Yeah. And the vast majority of theologies can't say that because they've got a God who can control 
and could fix things unilaterally, single-handedly make things happen, but apparently doesn't seem to care enough to do so in some cases, or it's yeah. a mystery, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's sort of some of the ways it matters, Glenn. Yeah, I think that's huge because I was just talking to somebody on, on Facebook about this the other day, about how there's so many, and I grew up in this, this world where it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter so much what we do today because Jesus is going to come back. You know, and he's going to, he's going to take away the people that believe, uh, but then he's, he's going to make it all better. You know, the people who are making it really bad or don't believe like they're going to get theirs in the end. And, you know, he's going to make, he's going to remake earth. He's going to bring heaven to earth. And like, everything's going to be rainbows and unicorns. It's going to be great. So right now, all we have to do is just make sure we're believing the right things, make sure we keep up to date on our confessions and our sins and things like that. And, you know, try to get everybody else to believe the right thing so that they get to go to heaven too. But like that takes off the responsibility of, you know, trying to make new laws to, you know, yeah. end this gun violence, trying to exactly. take care of the climate so that, you know, the world doesn't literally burn or, you know, flood or whatever, and really try to make healthy decisions and, and work in conjunction with the spirit of God so that we can work towards the well-being of ourselves, of our earth and of our future generations. And I think that, you know, that just places a much bigger sense of responsibility on the decisions that we make and the things that we do. And like, I, when I look at Jesus, I feel like, I feel like that's what I see him calling people to do Mm, in the gospels is stop sitting on your hands and get up and do something about all the stuff that's going on in the world, because the power lies in your, in your hands. And I think that we tend to pass the buck over to God. So God's going to fix it. We just yeah. got to pray and send our thoughts and prayers. Everything's going to be fine, but that's, that's not reality. That's so well put. I just came back from a three week lecture tour in Denmark, Finland, and Norway. Mm. And the final stop on the tour, I gave a paper at the European society for the study of science and theology. Mm. And the topic of the conference was on climate change. And uh, my question for my title was God, will God stop climate change? Mm. And I sort of lay out sort of scenarios along the way. And then I make an argument that I think helps us avoid two extremes, Mm. two extremes that I heard when I was younger, and I think are illustrated by some theologies in the present. Mm. One extreme has this sovereign God who can predestine things, who can fix things single-handedly. And it's the God we've already been criticizing as, you know, it makes our lives ultimately meaningless because this God can just up and fix things, you know, unilaterally. But on the other side, there are some theologies that put all of the responsibility on our shoulders as if, you know, if it's the bee, it's up to me. And God is sort of watching from Mars, twiddling his thumbs, eating popcorn and saying, you know, good luck out there, fellas or gals or whoever. Mm -hmm. Good luck. I'm just sitting back. It's up to you to make it happen. And that sort of theology seems to me fairly hopeless Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I, 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 well, maybe I should be more optimistic about humans, but sometimes I get pretty pessimistic about what humans do. (laughs) Um, I think a much more relevant, even more biblical, helpful theology Mm. says that God is always working in creation, inspiring and empowering creatures of all levels and complexities, all humans to do what's positive and right. But we have to really respond. We have to cooperate. 
We have to be fellow workers with this loving spirit at work in all of creation. Mm. And in that sense, it's neither all God nor all us. Yeah. It's this collaborative work that makes the difference in changing gun laws, climate change, whatever, yeah. whatever the big issue is. Yeah, that's really, that's really helpful. And I think it's, um, it's so needed in this, in this time that we're in, because, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like I'm tired of waiting for God to do something like that's, that's what we're going to, right. I and mean, that's yeah. what we're going to, we're going to say, God's going to do something Well, I'm tired. You know I mean? You yeah. know, people have been waiting for this return for 2000 years and it just feels like we got to do something, you know, it's, <laughs> enough has happened and we have yeah. to, we have to get our hands, our hands dirty. So talk then to the person who's maybe thinking about how this all relates to scripture. And I'll make this my last question for you okay. because I get a lot of, um, a lot of people asking, like, you know, if God is so loving and God is, you know, his goal is to promote well-being and, you know, it's his love is, you know, pluriform is all these different forms and expressions. Then why in the Bible, right, is God so often portrayed in like horrific, horrific ways? And you, you and I have talked about this a little bit in the past, but like, did the people who wrote the books not get the memo? You know that God is good and that God is love because yeah. in, in many places we see God acting like, you know, a, a drunken father, like it's in this murderous rage, you know, okaying yeah. genocide and dictating genocide and kill these people and do this and do that. It doesn't seem very loving at all. So where is the disconnect in scripture from what the Bible seems to paint about God to this idea of, of pluriform love? Yeah, I think if you read the Bible in a fairly straightforward way and tried to characterize the God portrayed there, you might get the impression that five out of the seven days of the week, this God is a loving, kind, forgiving being. But a couple of those days, he's going to kick your ass. Yeah, He's going to punish you and, you know, make you suffer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a, you know, schizophrenic God. Um, I'd like to say the Bible had this pure systematic view of a God of love and every single passage matches it, you know, matches, matches the, the revelation we find in Jesus perfectly, but it's just not the Bible we have. Mm. And I've long ago grown tired of trying to look at the Bible cock my head sideways squint and say well you know maybe killing babies is really loving from the divine perspective sure i just don't believe that i do however think the overall drift of scripture points to a god of love i think jesus gives us the clearest picture of this god of love mm. um, i just want to be honest about scripture as a whole and saying not everything is there mm. not only that if we look at the way the words love, love words are used in the Bible, agape, philea, hesed, ahava, others, there's not a consistency there either. Like most of the time, 90 plus percent of the time, the word agape means something like doing something valuable, positive, promoting well-being. Mm. But occasionally it doesn't mean that. So once again, I want to appeal to the general drift and to the preponderance of uh, evidence related to love and admit that the Bible doesn't have a purely consistent view on divine love or even creaturely love. Mm. And at the end of the day, that means that in this book and many others I've written, 
I'm in the business of proposing what I think is a coherent vision of love that matches most of the Bible, but not all of it, mm-hmm. matches most of our intuitions about what love is, matches much of what science and the human, uh, the, uh, the human um, disciplines mm-hmm. say about love. Uh, but it's a proposal that um, I want to lay on the table and say, if we live this way, our lives and the lives of others will be better. That's really, that's, that's really good. And I think that, you know, if you look at the Bible as, as this, I don't know, this straightforward document that is telling you exactly the way God is and exactly the way that God works, you know, this doesn't really fit into all of those places. <laughs> like you said, like it just, you know, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's just not going to work. But one of the things that you've helped me understand and others as well is that the Bible, I think, is not, is not so much God telling us about himself yeah. as it is humanity telling humanity about its evolving understanding of God. Like, I think, yeah, like, yeah. when I look in the Old Testament, I think about, like, you know, God commanding genocide. Well, did God really command genocide or did the people think that God commanded genocide? Yes. Because that's what all the surrounding gods were supposedly doing to people. So it just kind of made sense in their context. I think that if you look at the Bible, you see this evolving understanding of God and of love. And I think it culminates in a sense in the person of Jesus where so much is brought together. And then I think it just continues to evolve and continue to grow today. So I think if you look at the Bible openly to kind of borrow that word, as opposed to just closed, I think that this fits perfectly in there. Great summary. It kind of fits your life and mine, you know, like yeah, uh, you were talking earlier about your own history and I have a similar history. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've got God figured out fully in the present, <laughs> but I do <laughs> think there's been some developmental improvements over time. Yeah, I think I've gotten rid of some of the crappy views of God I had in the past and yeah. I've got more learning to do, yeah. but um if we think of our own lives as similar to the development of the ideas of God in scripture, there's a quite a, a good parallel, I think. Yeah. I think the evolution is, is natural. I think it's, it's natural yeah. to come to realize that the way you understood something in the past, maybe didn't make as much sense. So maybe it needs to be rethought. Like, I think it was, think, who was it? I think I was reading something. I think it was a Bart Ehrman article the other day. And he was saying about how, in every other like area of life, we expect people to grow like doctors. Like you wouldn't want somebody doing brain surgery today, the way they did it 40 years ago. You'd want them to use some, they're going to cut open your head. I hope they're going to use something much more, you know, technologically advanced tools, you know, so we we expect there to be growth in these areas. But it's like, when it comes to issues of faith, there's so many people that expect you to stay at like a 12 year old understanding (laughs) of God. He's like, it's only natural. He's like, He's speaking to somebody who's like an agnostic atheist, but he's like, it's, it's only natural for someone's understanding to evolve and to grow. So why don't we invite that into discussions about God? Why do we keep it reserved for, for other areas? Yep. And yeah. think of it, since we're talking about love, think of it about in terms of your marriage or yeah. I'll take my marriage. Sure. You know, I've been married 33 years now, yeah. 34. Um, what I thought love was like at the beginning is not nearly as rich and deep and wide as what I think of love now. Yeah. And, you know, some people will say, you know, to their, to their lover, their partner, 
at least early on, don't ever change, stay the same. Right. And of course, that's impossible to do in the first place. But yeah. it also assumes that somehow that love at the beginning was at its maturity. But yeah. really, that's not the way love really works, at least not in a healthy relationship. You yeah. mature, you deepen, you widen. And uh, it takes many different forms, pluriform. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think about just my own marriage. We've been married for 11 years and we got a little ways to go before we catch up to you. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I think like, you know, back when we were dating, like, you know, I was still in that very evangelical mode of like, you know, yeah. the man is the Christ head of the family. And, you know, mm. so, and for me, like loving meant being that leader, you know, loving yeah. meant being able to be really connected to God to make the appropriate decisions for our family. Like for me, that was love. But now like I'm in this place where love is releasing all of that. And love is seeing my wife and I as equals love right. is seeing us as a team. Love is seeing, you know, wanting her to, um, you know, grow as much as I want to grow. Like it is, it, love is, we still love each other, but it's a much different form today than it was back then. I think it's much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And think also about, well, I'll, again, I'll just talk for myself. Sure. I want my wife not just to love me in spite of the flaws that I have. Sure. Like she reminds me fairly often <laughs> that I have less hair on my head than when we got married. Right. <laughs> you know, I want her to love me uh, not just in spite of the things, but I want her to love me because of That's some true. of my positive attributes. I want her to sometimes to think, you know, he's still hot. Right. <laughs> yeah maybe not in the same way i was hot 30 years ago <laughs> right. but um i think you still got it <laughs> that's right yeah and then of course she's my life partner so these sure. are all forms of love that i think god also expresses in different kinds of ways of course yeah but um so that's so good well hey tom we're just about out of time but as always um you've given me a whole lot to think about so thanks for taking the time to join us for your 101st visit <laughs> to, the, to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for the conversation, Glenn, what you're doing on this podcast and, and on the, the community that's a part of it. And it's mm -hmm. so important. So thank you for this. Uh, I guess to use a Christian word, this ministry, thank this you. Enterprise of love. <laughs> thank I you. Think it's, I think it's important. Thank you. And I appreciate you and your support. You've become a real friend over the years. So I appreciate you always uh, cheering me on. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, real quick, where's the best place for people to go to connect with your work? You want to plug anything for us? Uh, yeah. Website. Well, I put that in the, in the notes. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm on a lot of social media. You're all over the place. If you just Google my name. You can probably find something. And you are a member of the What If Project community. So there you go. I am. There you yes, go. A little teaser a for people. Community. That's yeah. it. Awesome. I'll put the links in the show notes and we'll do it again soon. Great. All right, my friend. I've been busy searching for you. Trying to figure out if it's true, true Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah This mind don't mind, don't play by the rules I'm gonna make sure that I play my cards right Intuition gave me signs that everything is alright Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls are moving and it's getting tight, getting tight. The shuffle getting real. real, I hope it lives on something good I'm all in for the kill, kill. sometimes kill. it's getting kind of scary I'm here for the thrill, decisions on top of decisions Like I chose a pill, the bottle getting kind of empty 
Temptations made his presence in the air is kind of tempting. Shortcuts after question, but it got on my attention. Uh oh, and I forgot, but did I mention? Looks like I won the game, made my decision. I listen. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. Just mind, don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Captain on the low, gotta let it flow, gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new, yeah. Tryna play cool, quit with all the tools, yeah. Maybe you're my calling like I'm on flight at 28. Manifesting everything I take, it's not too late. Running to my purpose like I'm rushing to the gate. Of course, it's in my planning and it's also with my faith. At the end of the day, and we gon' find a way. It's a fact of the price that we pay. Everything shine to the gray. Nothing gon' break through the shade. Nothing gon' break through the hate. Everything all that we claim. Hit the red dot that I aim. No missing, I'm focused. No slipping, I'm growing. No talking, just showing. No stopping, keep going. Yeah, I'm just trying to break codes. Ain't nobody I owe. This the life that I chose. And I'm blessed for it. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. Just mind, don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Captain on the low. Gotta let it flow. Gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new. Trying to play it cool. Quit with all the tools, 